Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asian markets are mixed this morning. Let's take a look at Tokyo up almost a percent. Joining me now as we break down all the market action. Happy Hump Day, Ryan Huang. Happy Hump Day. It's also World Pasta Day today. So yes. The feast on your mac and cheese or spaghetti and meatballs. So what's have, your favorite? Uh, like luxury mac and cheese. Uh, okay, mine's lasagna, so that's my go-to. Don't you want to know what makes it luxury? What does it mean? Gold flakes? What have you got inside? <laughs> and some sort of truffle thing on top and Ooh. then it gets baked and it's all crispy. Nice. Delish. All right, let's start this morning with the world of big tech, always palatable. Microsoft and Alphabet, that's Google's parent company, they're both reporting earnings this morning. Now, on the surface of things, both companies appear to be blowing past expectations, but the share price of each of these giants is tumbling in extended hours trade. One of these giants, I should say. So which one? We'll answer that question in a bit. But first, Ryan, Microsoft's net income jumped 27% in the third quarter of the year. It netted more than 22 billion US dollars. So what is behind Microsoft's strong performance? Yeah, so it does look like Microsoft is starting the earnings season on a pretty good footing, beating estimates. And this comes as we see a couple of engines firing off uh, for Microsoft, including Cloud computing is PC businesses is also doing well and all coming through with the AI offerings that we've been hearing quite a bit about in the past few weeks, months. So a lot of optimism that they are able to monetize it. And of course, Microsoft is a an investor in OpenAI, the guys behind ChatGPT, um, which is pretty much the leader in terms of at least the buzz around chatbots and AI. So that's a big plus. Mm -hmm. So I think the big plus for Microsoft is how its cloud computing business is continuing to grow. So the Azure business continues to gain traction and it is seeing revenue growth of 29% versus consensus forecast of 26.2%. So better than expectations. And you also have Profits going up by more than 20% for the wider group. So all in a pretty good quarter. So we're seeing demand for Microsoft's Azure cloud computing services. Revenue for that segment of the business. Well, look at that. As you say, jumped almost 30%. If we turn to Alphabet now, what is the demand like for online advertising? Right? Yeah, it does look like a pretty optimistic picture when it comes to advertising, mm -hmm. when it comes to Alphabet at least, there is a bit of a rebound that they're reporting. Advertising seems to be coming back to Google. Um, so that seems to be helping to offset. Mm. And the words offset sound of weakness elsewhere because its cloud business is not doing as well as what people are hoping or expecting. So a bit of disappointment on that front for Google's cloud business. So a bit of a contrast to Microsoft. So perhaps losing some market share traction. And of course, it also has a bit to play into how um, Microsoft is seen as perhaps doing better in the AI race. Yeah, so if this business is to do better overall, uh, the cloud has to become more profitable, but demand for online advertising certainly looking good. That's rebounded. Alphabet's overall revenue up 11% better than expected. So let me return to the question that I posed mm. at the start of the show, and that is, which company 
Microsoft, Alphabet or Microsoft is suffering a sell-off in after-hours trade? Yeah, so if you guessed Microsoft is doing well, then yes, you are right because it is the stock that's up in after-hours trading. Mm-hmm. It does look like investors are liking the numbers as well as the story that Microsoft is painting that you know, pretty much broad-based growth, especially on the AI front, on the cloud front as well. And if you look at what's playing out for Microsoft on the cloud front, it is able to monetize it with things like what's called Copilot, which is a subscription service of $30 a month that helps users like you and me to summarize the day's emails um, on its Microsoft 365 service. So imagine an entire day's worth of emails in just a quick update. So I, don't that's wanna, what, I don't want to read that newsletter. <laughs> that's what the AI is promising <laughs> to do for you. So maybe you need a newsletter for a newsletter to sum it up. So that's I want to read the newsletter. For Microsoft. Okay, so Alphabet, that story is, I suppose, more disappointing. People are expecting yeah. more mm. from Google. Mm-hmm. Uh, also worth pointing out, we did talk about how the ad spending is coming back for Google. But it is not entirely consistent across the tech industry. If you look at what Snap reported overnight, uh, they've reported that they are expecting ad spending to slow down because of the conflict in the Middle East uh, escalating even more. Uh, they've already seen advertisers pause some of their campaigns. So that was a warning sign they kind of flagged. And that's one reason why we saw Snap shares down. So interesting I guess, contrast of fortunes across the board. Good way to put it. In terms of the sell-off, traders are selling off Alphabet shares. In case you at home guess Alphabet, you're right. Uh, We saw a sell-off amid disappointment over that cloud computing revenue. Remember, cloud computing is what is driving enthusiasm for Microsoft, right? So that is a real point of contrast between the two tech giants. It is worth pointing out, though, that Even though Alphabet's cloud revenue has come in below expectations, revenue in Alphabet's cloud unit still grew 22% last quarter, which is twice as fast as the company's overall revenue growth. All right, time to zoom out and take a look at overall U.S. markets now. Better than expected profits and lower oil prices helped Wall Street break a losing streak overnight. The Nasdaq climbed nearly 1%. The S&P 500 rose three quarters of a percent and the Dow finished higher as well. It is worth reporting that both Microsoft and Alphabet shared their earnings after the markets close. All right, time for more corporate earnings and we'll do it up or down style. Play along at home. Ryan, General Motors, up or down? Yeah, this is a tricky one for General Motors to navigate because uh, they are facing strikes because their workers want better conditions and more pay. So they had a pretty good quarter. So that fuels the narrative that, hey, they can afford to pay these workers more. So that's what's actually going to be happening. You've got uh, workers asking for more and talking about expanding the strike. So it's a bit of a mixed bag. I'm going down, good quarter, but no more trouble ahead. Definitely join you on that one. In fact, we, we talked about this a couple of days back, Monday, that General Motors has found itself in a bit of a rock and a hard place, no wins type of situation. If its earnings are too strong, they give more ammunition to the auto workers who are on strike. If it's too weak, well, no one likes weak earnings, right? So where did we end up? Well, GM netted 3.1 billion US dollars during the third quarter of the year. Better than expected, but still down 7%, in large part due to the auto workers. Strike 
which has idled two of its factories, plus a host of its parts distribution centers. Overall, I'd say the results are a down for GM. So I join you there, Ryan. Investors agree as well. GM shares fell two and a quarter percent overnight. Next up, let's look at General Electric. Yeah, talking about parts and engines. In the aviation industry, things are looking up for General Electric. It has raised its full-year outlook for its Profit and this on this on robust demand for jet engine parts and of course we've been seeing a lot of revenge travel people going around the world and I suppose that is fueling the demand for more aircraft and in turn parts so GE is in a bit of a sweet spot right now. Mm-mm. GE's earnings coming in well above expectations thanks in part to I'm sure what many were hoping for that aviation boom that has led to strong demand for GE's commercial engines. And on top of that GE is planning to spin off its clean energy unit they're called GE Vernova and plans are in the works to do the spin-off in the second quarter of next year. So I'd say that isn't up for GE. So could GE shares they jump six and a half percent overnight. Okay, up or down for Coca-Cola. All right. Coke is continuing to do well. And this with Coke now raising its full year outlook. So it is citing strong year-to-date performance. And guess what? It has managed to pass on higher prices to consumers. And it does look like it is going to continue to look at raising prices even more. So, so far, people are willing to pay these higher prices. It now expects growth of um, revenue this year to come in between 10 and 11% and profit to grow 7 to 8%. Mm. So that's above the earlier forecasts by about 1 to 2 percentage points. So you have a, I guess, promising year ahead that it is able to pass on higher costs. Yeah, apparently Coca-Cola's demand is inelastic. The company can raise sort of prices. Consumers will continue to buy, gaining volume and value sh- market share as well. Coca-Cola works for both at home and when you're away at home. Coke is still it. It netted more than $3 billion between July and September, which tops expectations. That's an up for Coke in my book. Coca-Cola's share price rose nearly 3% overnight. Let's look at Hermes. All right, Amaz, the luxury brand from France. Uh, I am going with... Um, I will go down, actually. Okay. Uh, even though you've got a couple of things going well for Amaz, you've got many markets performing. But the key market for me is Asia, mm-hmm. which is not performing. And this is the only market, actually, that is underperforming. So if you look at the third quarter, um, that saw Asia dipping 0.1% in the third quarter. If you look at other markets, Japan was up 10%. The Americas was up 11.9%. Europe was up 16.4%. Uh, so not a great quarter for Asia, at least, because partly with um, China underperforming, that is dragging down the uh, key market for the brand. Good point on Asia. Sales were brisk in all markets though, so I take a slightly different view. Hermes's sales jumped during the third quarter of the year, particularly in the United States where those Birkin handbags are 
apparently will be popular till the end of time. Hermes grossed more than 3 billion euros during the third quarter and that tops expectations, defying a common narrative of the luxury sector being in a bit of a funk. That is an up for Hermes in my book. Let's turn to China now where equities and the Chinese renminbi are both coming under pressure. The CSI 300 index trading at its lowest level in more than four years. The renminbi has depreciated to 7.31 versus the greenback. Capital is reportedly exiting China at its fastest pace in years as investors are concerned about the state of China's economy as well as the health of its troubled property sector. Chinese President Xi Jinping is taking steps to address these concerns directly, something he's never done. Uh, Reportedly, something he's never done as president, I should say. What is this? Yeah, so... This is a rare visit by Xi Jinping to the PBOC, the Chinese Central Bank. Mm -hmm. So like you pointed out, it is his first visit, at least known one, uh, since he became president nearly a decade ago. Perhaps acknowledging that there is an urgent task for him to look at personally, maybe to shore up the morale or to look at the situation more closely. So... Um, I guess for optics as well, it does help that he is being seen going out and about. And of course, the PBOC uh, has a lot of work cut out for it. They've got a currency that is weakening and that's being uh, underpinned by a slump in the economy. So a lot of signals that leaders will be trying to communicate to the wider market. Uh, So that's perhaps on his mind how to address the current issue as well as what signals to put forth. And there are positive signals coming through already with some of the reports that China is going to be doing more. And this includes more support for the economy through a few things. One is issuing additional sovereign debt and raising the budget deficit ratio. For example, what we have right now is um, a very rare move to raise the fiscal deficit ratio for this year to about 3.8% of GDP. That is above the 3% that was set back in March. So an acknowledgement perhaps that more needs to be done when it comes to stimulus and they are willing to take on more debt. So another part about it is uh, easing the... Uh, the, I guess the room or giving more room for local governments Mm. to borrow. Mm -hmm. So that's another useful, I suppose, part of the equation that will ease some of the burden for local governments because a lot of these local governments rely on property sales and revenue. And as you've been following in the news, Chinese property has not been doing well. So they have not been able to get as much useful cash flow. So they kind of need some help there. So all in... A lot of positives coming through in the past 24 hours. Yeah, look at that fiscal deficit ratio for 2023. Uh, the legislature over in China approved the plan to set it at about 3.8% of GDP. That's above the 3% limit that was set in March. Uh, so Xi's visit to China's central bank, the PBOC, may be symbolic, but it's hardly the only action being taken. Beijing announced plans to issue more sovereign debt just yesterday, which it will will likely use to fund new construction projects in the months ahead. And China's Sovereign Wealth Fund has also started buying ETFs in addition to bank shares to give the country's stock markets a boost. So what do you think? Shorten the arm? Are they sufficient? Mm. Or are investors going to be looking for much more, particularly given the uncertain liquidity of China's biggest property companies? 
Yeah, shot in the arm, but how many shots do you need, right? It's almost like trying to address a long-running um, sickness because you've got so many symptoms you're trying to cure. Um, I suppose it does push a needle a bit, mm-hmm. but you've got a lot of structural issues. It, there is that confidence crisis that's going on. So even though you're going to make it easier to borrow, how much more will people borrow? Uh, you've got also the jobs picture. Perhaps you might be able to create some jobs, but will there be enough jobs? So hopefully, you know, this continues to gain some traction. Perhaps they will assess if these moves will be enough to get a ball rolling. But there is a lot to be done. I think the big one is going to be the youth unemployment picture, which is the big um, factor that will determine how much people want to spend on houses, shopping, and so on. So that is something I'm looking forward to, to hear more about if there's going to be some targeted measure of sorts to address the youth unemployment picture. No, it could mean these measures at the market as good investment value, at least for the medium term. All right, time now for round two of Up or Down. And this time the focus, not so much on corporate earnings, at least not entirely. Second round of Up or Down. Let's look at Bitcoin. Mm, Bitcoin is going to be an up for me. All right, so what do we have? We've got... (laughs) Speculation. (laughs) Speculation driving Bitcoin prices. What's new? Well, it's going up because there is speculation that the US Securities and Exchange Commission is expected to approve an ETF uh, that owns Bitcoin, which is going to be possibly going to pave the way for more mainstream adoption, maybe more ETFs, more investors or slash traders into the world of cryptocurrency or Bitcoin. So that speculation is getting some traction mm-hmm. and helping to lift Bitcoin prices to near 18-month highs. Yes, and those prices would be $35,000. That's what Bitcoin hit overnight for the first time since 2022, although it did ease back just a little and it is trading just shy of $34,000 now. Traders in a bullish mood amid the speculation that U.S. regulators are set to approve America's first spot Bitcoin ETF. So BlackRock and Fidelity Investments are among those who are in the race to offer a Bitcoin ETF. Markets are excited about the opportunities, a lot of optimism. So that's an up for cryptocurrency. Bitcoin, that is. The price of petrol, Ryan. Yeah, petrol prices... Now, we've seen how they've been a bit of a, I guess, cost of living pain point for quite some time. But it is seeing some signs of tapering off, um, at least in the past week. So I'm seeing a down for petrol prices in the well near term. What do you make of it, Michelle? Well, all prices are dropping. They've hit their lowest levels in a week as war over in the Mideast has not only had an immediate effect on supply, I think overall supply numbers may be up, but thanks to those higher exports from Russia, despite global sanctions, that's what we're seeing play out, right? So a barrel of Brent crude currently selling for about 88 US dollars, West Texas crude trading below $84, so it's a down, oil prices are dropping. Let's look at the ringgit. Yeah, this is one that's going to be... Good news or bad news, depending on which side of the fence you're on. Or so, border you're on, yeah. <laughs> it is going to be, for most Singaporeans, I suppose, um, an up because it is a record high for the same dollar against the Malaysian ringgit. 
now at 3.5. So good news if you're going shopping, if maybe you're working in Singapore, sending money back to Malaysia. Um, so a bit more painful, I suppose, for Malaysians who, for some reason, are exposed to the strength of the Singapore currency. Um, so more bad news because the ringgit is expected to weaken further, underpinned by the slump in the Malaysian economy and what's going on with the exports weakening as well. That's right. So the Malaysian ringgit has hit a new low against the Singapore dollar. That's 3.50, which is great news for those of us who shop in Malaysia and for Malaysians working here. Not so good for Malaysians who want to visit Singapore or import products for overseas. That's a down for the ringgit. Economies expect the downward trend to continue. United Overseas Insurance, it's a listed subsidiary of UOB. How's it doing, up or down? All right. I am looking at an up for UOI and it is reporting a 70% rise in net profit. And this was despite higher insurance expenses due to lower commission income, um, higher management expenses and higher net expenses. Um, so this kind of offset it a bit, but overall the business does seem to be doing pretty okay. UOI's net profits for the first nine months of the year more than doubled, up 123%. Perhaps the company's strong performance will encourage investors to give it another look. UOI shares are currently down 7% since the start of the year. Thank you very much, Ryan. Hope you enjoy that pasta fest. You too, Michelle. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.